But my name is Nick Connect, and this is my wife, Kirsten, as of about six and a half months ago. And we, um, just to give you just a little uh, moment background of our story, we, uh, I came to the farm, the Dysinger's farm, as an apprentice um, three summers ago and was planning on only staying for six months, um, and I have never left yet. <laughs> so we, uh, we, we started our relationship in a strawberry field and three years later got married in the same field down below and have spent about three, month, uh, three summers rather marketing um, together for Bountiful Blessings Farm um, at different farmers' markets. So our experience is somewhat, somewhat um, it's heavily more in the farmers' market area, but as we talk about it more, we feel like that's a really important area for a vast majority of small market gardeners if you're interested in that. Um, so let's begin by just uh, saying a word of prayer. Dear Father in heaven, thank you so much for this afternoon that we can come and learn more about um, the garden and about uh, the, the step of marketing uh, of the produce. And we pray that you would give us wisdom as we speak, help us to share things that can truly be a blessing. Um, and uh, we just thank you for all the blessings you have given to us already. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I guess I forgot one, one piece of our story, which is still being um, built. This is our, we live in a little tiny house. We built a 10 by 22 house on a trailer. So we've got it parked in a small, quiet corner of the farm. And we'll be there until the Lord leads us elsewhere, and we can hitch it up to a truck and pull it away. So marketing. Marketing for some can be probably, arguably, one of the more difficult parts of the growing process. Um, some people have a green thumb and can grow and can learn to do that, but marketing is like a whole other realm and can be a difficult um, thing to master sometimes. Um, but it's something that can be done, and we don't claim to be experts by any stretch of the matter. We're just sharing the experiences that we've had, and maybe they can be a blessing to you. Um, I just wanted to ask, how many of you out here have actually done a market garden? Like, how many of you are market gardeners, or do we have a room full of mostly wannabe market gardeners? We've got a couple. Okay, so we've got most of our group here is on the beginning stages of the journey. So that's, that's great. Um, the goals that we are going to be sharing, that we're going to try to accomplish through our, our talk this morning, why it's doing this, this afternoon. I don't know why we always say morning. It's because we go to church in the morning, I think. Um, we, we'd like to help give you some ideas for different marketing avenues that perhaps you have or have not explored so far. Um, and pros and cons for each one of those from our experience. It's not going to be a full-fledged list, but from our viewpoint, what we have viewed as pros and cons. And we'll also spend a fair bit of time on some practical tips for um, farmers' marketing. And as I mentioned before, farmers' markets are a great way for just about every size and scale of a market garden to to move produce. You know, whether you have a CSA, whether you have an online market, it's always, almost always, it can be advantageous to, to merge that with a farmer's market or have a farmer's market in addition to that. Um, 
and so we, there's some there's some tips and and things that we have learned in our farmers marketing experience that hopefully will prove prove helpful. So first, we're going to go through a list of some marketing options. So the first the first thing one, one that we have is I don't know what's going on back? here. No, it's going blank. The first one that we have is the farm stand. And ironically, it's actually one that we have never actually done much with. But this is more dependent on your location. For us, we live over an hour from any sizable town where we go and sell our vegetables. So a farm stand where you have a little stand on your farm and people can come and buy from it, that for us hasn't been a viable option. But it can be depending on your location. Some of, oh, we aren't going into pros and cons now. Yeah, we'll get to those in a minute. You can just go through the Okay. Videos. So our second one is, is farmer's markets. And then we have CSAs, online markets, restaurants, wholesale, which that's a pretty broad list. So these are the things that we are going to cover, the different marketing options that we will cover in this. So the question is, which one is best for you? An important thing is to accept, uh, assess your goals. What do you want from your farming experience, from your marketing experience? Is what's most important to you dealing directly with the customers and having that customer relationship and getting to know the people who eat your food? Or are you more attracted to the production and the more profitable wholesale options? Um, both are great, but how you want to go about your growing, what what your goals are is going to affect how you're going to market. Another thing is assess your location. And like I already mentioned, for us, we live an hour from where we sell our produce. So things like the produce stand or farm stand isn't an option. So you've got to look around you and see how far you are from town and what's going to be the best option for you. And going kind of along with that, assess your market potential. You know, what farmer's markets do you have around you? Or where's the nearest farm-to-table restaurant? Just kind of look at what's around you, what, what the competition is, what other farms there are. And those are all things that are going to play into which marketing of the list that we gave you, you know, or other ones. There's other marketing options as well. But which one's going to fit your needs best? So the first one we're going to talk about in just a little bit more detail is the farm stand. And just the most basic description of a farm stand is you have some sort of stand structure. Normally is out at the end of your driveway on the road. And it's a system where people just drive by, um, stop by, and maybe you have it staffed and people purchase from somebody. Um, oftentimes they're just run on an honor system where you, you know, prices, you know, leave money in this box. Um, generally how that works. So some of, the, some of the pros and cons that we came up with for this one is that one of the pros um, is that there's no travel involved, really. You, know, you do have to go to the end of your driveway, and depending on your method of getting there and the length of your driveway, that could or could not be substantial. Most of the time, it's not. Um, there's really no commitment because you, know, you don't have a box that you have to deliver to place A at time B, 
Um, so there is a nice level of non-commitment there. There is um, flexibility of involvement as far as like how much you want to be involved with the customer. If, if you're a real introvert and don't really gain your joy by, by interacting with people, you can set it out there, you know, go out there after dark, midnight, put out your produce, and then you never have to see a soul. Um, if you're a little more social, you can spend more time there and, and make it work that way. We think that of all the options that we were looking at, this is probably the lowest pressure because, again, if you don't have produce, you just don't have to put it out there. And especially if you make the habit of going at midnight, you don't even have to see anybody. Um, but hand-in-hand uh, hand with that, with that low pressure, comes unpredictable sales. Um, especially if you, you know, aren't consistent, the people you might have stopping by, if they can't count on stopping by your place and finding produce, then, you, know, you may lose some customers that way. It is potentially disruptive because you have large, potentially large numbers of people coming by your farm, and, and we, we experience this on our farm. I, 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 see, I see dad having people come and stop by and like, oh, we just wanted to ask you this, and, and it can be disruptive for, you know, actually trying to run your farm. Um, and it is very location dependent. It may work well for you, it may not work well for you, as we previously mentioned. So the farmer's market, I'm sure everyone is, is familiar with that. You've either been to one or gone and sold your produce at one. So you set up at a designated time once a week normally. And some of the pros and cons that we see for that, you have lower growing pressure. You know, you don't have to have a certain thing at a certain time. You put out on the table whatever you have. And so it is a lower growing pressure. You have the ability to have more one-on-one -on -one interactions with the customers. Um, if, if that is important to you, you, you get to invest in the customers that come. You know, for us, we have a core customer base that come every single week. And so you, you develop those relationships, which is very rewarding. And something that's kind of unique with the farmer's market aspect is you get a higher dollar for the items that you're first to market with. So, like, if you're first to, with, to market with tomatoes, for those weeks that you're first there, you get a higher price because you're the only one. And so that's something that's kind of unique to farmer's market, whereas if you were wholesaling, you would just have to charge whatever they were asking or whatever the going rate was. But there is a change changing prices depending on the season and if you're able to tap into that then you you can get higher prices for things um, the cons it is very weather dependent like this year we had so many rainy market days and if you have a rainy market day that really affects your sales so you're, it's very weather dependent um, you which in turn, you can have inconsistent sales. There's also the competition aspect, which can be good for you and it could be bad for you. Um, and then the more successful your farmer's market stand becomes, the less one-on-one -on -one interaction time. You know, if you have a long line, you aren't able to spend that time that you might like to spend. And there's also more waste which kind of goes with the first two. You know, you have inconsistent sales, it's weather dependent. If you've had a rainy day, you might have a ton of stuff that you don't know what to do with. So that is definitely a, a con for that. And then our, our third one is um, CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Um, 
basically the essence of this marketing method is um, in some form or fashion, you get a, a group of people to sign up, to commit to, to purchasing and picking up a box of produce from you for X number of weeks out of the season. Um, and that has some pros and some cons. Um, the pros are that there are guaranteed sales because really whether most times I believe it's worked this way that they have already paid in advance and if they don't show up to pick up their box, they've paid for it already, and that's their loss and not yours. So that's a guaranteed sale. Oftentimes you do get the money up front. They will pay the, you know, however much it is, several hundreds of dollars um, to, to subscribe to this box. And you can also make payment plans so they can do it if that doesn't work for them. But that comes at a great time of year when you need seed money. Uh, you know, right in the spring before your season starts, and that can be that can be a real nice thing. You probably have some of the best customer inter- interactions with CSA of any of these um, marketing methods that we've talked about so far, or that we will talk about, because you get to see these same people week after week after week, and you get to form a relationship with them, um, and can easily transition to an evangelistic sort of relationship, which is really neat. Um, there's a shared risk um, because if your crops fail, the understanding that is pr- it's pretty pretty broad about CSA is that um, if your crop fails, the customer is kind of in with you together. You know, if if you don't have corn that year because you know there was an overpopulation of raccoons, um, you know it's their loss too, and it's your loss, and so it's kind of a shared risk. Um, once you make the initial marketing endeavor to get your CSA subscriber list, as far as CSA goes, you don't have to do any more marketing the rest of the year. So you can just grow, and that can be an advantage. Um, There's less waste because you are harvesting exact amounts for exact boxes. Um, There are some cons. It's higher pressure. It can be quite high pressure because um, you have... People who have paid you, you know, five, six, seven hundred dollars for your subscription, and and you got to be committed and and can deliver to make the value of that box what what you have made it sound like it's worth. Um, there's more planning required because you can't just have a lull in the season where you know my first planting of squash is out and my last planting is still two weeks away, and that happens to all of your crops. You know, you can't have an empty box for too many, you can't have an empty box. Um, You're also forced to focus on variety um, as compared to high profit crops. Um, I I have heard in some different seminars that broccoli particularly is one of these crops that when you run the numbers on broccoli, broccoli per square foot of garden space and input, it's very difficult to make any money on broccoli. and if you weren't doing a CSA, you might choose to, hey, let's grow lettuce there or something. But the CSA customers want broccoli, so you have, to, you have to grow it. And so your focus becomes much more on variety and less on the crops that can get you the most bang for your square foot in your farm. 
So we, we do want to emphasize CSA because we feel like that is a really beautiful opportunity for witnessing and evangelism. And so if you want your farm to be more evangelistic and more of a ministry rather than a business, we would really encourage you to consider this option, not necessarily to start out with. You know, you might start with a farmer's market or something, but it is a great thing to work towards. And you can start small. I was thinking back to our first season, which I don't know how many years ago, I think we had 12, 12 CSA members. And, you know, they became family. You know, we had them, we had one lady for Christmas and another for Thanksgiving. You know, they weren't just our customers, they were our family. So you can, don't be too intimidated. You can start small and you can just do a handful of boxes a week. And um, actually our market manager runs a CSA. She has a little garden in her backyard. And she has like four CSA members. And she's just delighted to tell us every week about what she had in her box. And, And so don't be intimidated by, even though it is higher pressure, you know, people have paid up front. You know, you can start small and work work towards gaining CSA members, and it's really a beautiful option for marketing. So online marketing is something that neither of us has really had a lot of experience in. There's, there are other people that have had more experience in this that I'm sure could share more than we know. This is something that our farm has done off and on through the years. We've had an online market, and we've just chosen to focus more on some of the other areas of marketing. So we don't have a lot of experience in this area. Yeah, so they have done it some even before I came around. So that, and I, this is just a part that I don't have any experience with, but like she's saying, there is, there is some. Um, I don't have very many on there. I have more on my phone because I talked to... Um, Alan Seiler, the Seiler's Farm, they do online marketing um, quite well. And if this is an area that you really have interest in, I would encourage you to, to speak with one of them. Um, so uh, some, of the, some of the pros that Alan uh, shared with me, I was just talking with him. Um, again, like the CSA, you do harvest to order. So there's less waste. You know what you're picking is what you're going to sell. Um, it, uh, Alan said that it could shorten his market time. And because you're going just mainly for those people, maybe you take some extras too, um, which is similar as CSA. It's the same thing as CSA. Um, Dictate delivery time, you can do that with CSA. Again, it's a prepay option. um, And that, you know, again, if people place an order for getting produce tomorrow, then uh, they've, whether they come and pick it up or not, they've paid for it. Um, It's just coming to me. Another farm that does this, again, as I think very well is um, the Smith's Farm, and they kind of do it. online marketing. You can look at it in a way it's like a non-committal CSA box because the CSA is kind of ordered in a sense online, and you can take an online market everything to from as simple as you could even say you know people could buy a box as they want to you know week by week, um, or they can choose what they want to get in their box, you know, week by week. It's probably good if you're doing an online market. You might want to consider having a minimum order so that you don't, you're not just taking, you know, one bunch of carrots for Sally, um, but, you know, have a $10, $15 or something minimum charge. Um, probably the biggest con that I see for me is that um, it can be difficult or expensive to set up 
with, there is an exception of the expensive part, and maybe somewhat to the difficult. I don't have this experience myself, but there's a website, you can see it at the bottom, locallygrown.net. Some of you may be aware of that. Um, it is basically a, an online marketing site that is already out there that you put in your information, your farm, your location, your produce, and it's kind of a, um, a storefront kind of for you already. Um, feel free to take a look at that. Do you think they charge a Do they charge a percentage? It would only make sense that they would. Okay. So there may be a little charge involved in that. Um, but again, of course, you could take this all the way to uh, developing your own. Um, and that could provide some of the greatest custom customization and flexibility for you. But that's really where the difficulty and the expense comes in. So it may be for you. It may not be for you. Restaurants, this is an, another area that we haven't focused a lot of our energies on, but we have had um, some experience, and these are some of the pros and cons that we feel. You can get higher price for wholesale quantities. You know, chefs are willing to pay pretty much, well, when we've worked with chefs, we just give them our market price and cut 10% off. So they're, yeah, I mean, you want to find a, a restaurant that's a farm to table who are who are looking for local produce, you know, organic produce, who are interested in, in paying that much. I mean, that's really probably the only way that it's going to be worthwhile for you. You don't need to stop at Taco Bell. They're, they're not going to take it. <laughs> they're not going to take your escrow. <laughs> <laughs> so another thing is you can sell more of your specialty items, like dandelion greens, for instance. We grew a lot of dandelion greens for a specific restaurant. Those are things that do not sell at market. I have one lady who buys them for her rabbits, and that's it. So <laughs> there's just certain items that you could sell to a restaurant, but you can't sell otherwise. Now, a CSA, you can put anything in your CSA box, as long as you give them some idea of what to do with it. Because that's, that's the beauty. You're introducing people to new things that they haven't tried before. And you, we like to give recipes. That's something that we didn't talk about. But we, we like to send out a newsletter um, with our box. It'll tell them what's in the box and what to do with the produce. So that's off the topic of restaurants. But you're introducing people to new things with CSA. Um, cons, inconsist inconsistent. The chefs are always changing, and the menus are always changing. So you really cannot, you can't know for sure that you're going, you can't, it's hard to plan ahead. You know, some, one chef will say, well, I'd like dandelion greens. Well, by the time those dandelion greens are grown and you're ready to take them to them, well, that chef might be gone. So that's something that you have to take into consideration. Um, so it can be difficult to plan ahead in that sense. And then also you are missing out on the interaction with the consumer. You have the interaction with the chef, but you're missing who you're actually feeding, which for us is important to have that as part of our marketing. And I'll just mention also about the restaurants. I think restaurants in particular, um, as well as many of these, are, are marketing ideas that are meant often to be combined. Um, Restaurants particularly, I think, could be a difficult sole market in and of themselves. There are people who do it, and you can do it, but that could be challenging. We had, for a fairly short amount of time, probably one of the best restaurant relationships that, that was just ideal. We'd go to farmer's market. We'd have stuff left over. We had this one chef that we made friends with up in Nashville. We'd drive about 10 minutes past market, and we'd say, all right, we have 
12 bunches of Chinese cabbage left. Take it. We have, you know, 30 pounds of beets. Give me 20. And, you know, we would make a several hundred dollar sale to this guy after every market. Um, if you can find a chef like that, that's gold. Treat him very well. <laughs> Give him maybe a 15% discount or something. <laughs> um, wholesale is, is another marketing option. Some pros for that, you can focus on the high profitability crops um, like tomatoes, like lettuce, um, all sorts of high profit crops that uh, you would definitely have to mix with variety if you're doing a CSA. Your high profit will be cut somewhat because one of the cons of wholesale is that you get less return per item um, oftentimes that percentage can be anywhere between 30 and 50 percent. Does that sound about right? You know, you're going to take a cut on some of these things, but, you know, if you have a, if you have a knack for growing some of these high-profit things, um, this is certainly something to consider giving a go at. Um, and wholesale can be consistent. You know, you get in with a few stores that want a certain amount of stuff every week. You know, it, it can be good. Um, it does have some cons, though. You, again, this is one of those marketing options where you don't have much customer interaction unless you happen to see them when you're dropping it off at the store. Um, there can be more insurance and other legalities, especially when you get into the larger rest, um, wholesale markets, such as Whole Foods. Um, I, I think they require like a million-dollar insurance. Oh, it's $2 million, $2 million insurance plan um, of some form. And, you know, that's just something you have to consider. Um, this one potentially requires more land. Um, it, that is kind of dependent upon your place. Um, but if, if you're wanting to provide to somewhere like Whole Foods, you know, they're probably going to need a large amount of, of product from you. And you could potentially need more space to do something like that. Um, one kind of niche in the wholesale market that we want to just spend a few a few minutes talking about are food hubs. And this is kind of a, a term that's gotten out there for um, you deliver produce to kind of a middleman who then distributes it to anywhere from restaurants to schools to government to uh, kind of like a middleman so you don't have to do the delivering, the marketing. Um, you do take a cut on some of that. Um, but I don't want to say too much because um, we're going to have Joshua come up and just share a little bit about it. Because Joshua on our farm has been the, um, the, this, the guy who's been dealing with wholesales and food hubs. Particularly in Nashville, we have one called Nashville Grown. So you want to just tell us a little bit about that? And you can mention the pros and cons or just share your experience. So they already mentioned um, about restaurants. And we haven't done much, as they said, working directly with restaurants. We have done a lot through um, this food hub called Nashville Grown, and it's a man that started it. Um, he he just I don't know. He started small with with different restaurants, and he has a website that I can go on and I can list what we have, and then he uploads it to um, a restaurant that the chefs go on to, and just a website that the <laughs> that the chefs go on to. And place their order, and then I can just print off a order sh a um, pick list, and it has everything I that I need to pick, and it has breakdown of the different restaurants, and I just pack it into those boxes. And so we've actually sold a lot through restaurants um, that way, and 
um, I guess the pros and cons are pretty similar to the other um, restaurant pros and cons. Um, what kind of cut do you normally consider? I'm trying to think. Well, of course, it's, it's a cut um, because you're selling on more of a wholesale price to the restaurants, and then he also takes a cut. It's not very much. It's like 10 or 15%. So it's pretty good, um, and we've done we've done a lot through him, and it's nice because um, it's it's more of a excess produce, you know, excess produce we just put up. We don't have to commit to have anything on. Um, it's just if we have excess, we put it up. Restaurants are uh, not, as they mentioned before, they're not very consistent. And so a lot of times we'll have a lot of excess and we won't get orders, but a lot of times we'll get we'll get pretty good size orders. Um, there is one other, f I guess it would be considered a food hub that we work with, um, and it's it's a similar thing except it's to individuals, and it's a guy that has an online market for individual people, and it's the same kind of thing where we list it up, and that we we get higher prices. He actually sells his stuff for quite a bit of a higher price than we would even sell at our market. So we end up selling to him for a similar price that we would sell at our market and then he bumps it up, I don't know, 20% I think. Um, and so he's, he, um, we definitely get a better price through him but we get, we get smaller orders. So those are the two food hubs that we've worked with and I don't know what, you know, if there's similar things in other cities, I would assume that you could find similar things, but we're blessed with the Nashville grown in our, in Nashville. It's, it's been a, a good thing for extra produce. So I think that's it. Thank you, Joshua. Yeah, so that's been a blessing for us and just networking, getting to know your area. Hopefully you can find people who would do a similar thing. One, one point that we didn't touch on, food hubs is kind of a broad term, but one thing, uh, we listed it under social justice, one area or aspect of food hubs is you might have um, in your city somebody who is trying to get fresh local produce to some of the darker parts of the community, you know, places where people have no access to fresh produce, and it's really a, it's a sad, vicious cycle that people live in when they have no access to these things. So there, there is a growing number of food hubs that um, are trying to get produce into those areas, and that's, that's a neat thing that you can be a part of, too. So now we're going to transition into practical tips and tricks that we can uh, hopefully share with you about farmers markets. Um, farmers markets can be a great way to get your business started. Um, you can bring what you have. There's not high stress of having to have certain items. Um, and even if you continue on to a CSA or other sorts of marketing, um, a farmer's market can continue to be a great addition that, you know, you make, even if you mix, you know, somewhat small amounts, making those every week can really add up over your season. And another thing that I'll add is, is it's a great advertising tool. 
if you have a CSA drop-off at your farmer's market because the other customers see people coming to get their produce and they're like, oh, they, what is that? And so you get to tell them about CSA. We have gotten a lot of CSA members through our farmer's market. So combining the two together is a great model. Okay, just a few basics on how to choose a market. You know, if you're starting at the beginning, lots of cities have multiple farmer's markets. So which one is the best for you? You want to look for a producer's only market. That is very important. In our early days of farming, when farmer's markets were not the cool thing to go to, you couldn't find producer-only markets. And that really, that really hurts you when you have somebody next to you who's bringing in produce from the Amish and they're selling their tomatoes for 50 cents a pound. I mean, I don't know. But just way less than you could ever afford to sell your tomatoes for. That's, that really hurts. And so you've got to find a market that's a producer-only. Another important aspect is a good market manager. And that's something that you're kind of out of control of. But meeting the market manager before you commit to a season is a, is a great thing. You know, finding somebody who is invested in the market enough to put effort into advertising because they're the ones that make or break the markets. They've got to put their hearts into advertising for the market. And just little things like not allowing people to start selling stuff before a designated time. If you don't have a market manager who sticks to that, your market will... Everybody will be selling at different times, and people start selling earlier, so people come earlier. And so having a good market manager is very important. And like I say, that's something that you're not always in control of, and you can't always dictate who your market manager is. But if you do have a choice in markets, that's something that could play into which market you might decide. Another thing is a desirable location. You're looking for a, a market that's in a mid to upper class part of town that's family friendly. You know, our, our actually the only market that we have done this last season, it is in a park and it's a great place that uh, moms bring their kids and just hang out on the grass. People bring their dogs. It's a very desirable place for the whole family to come. So you're looking for, we've done them in parking lots before and you know, if that's what you have, then you make it good. But having a location that is more family-friendly helps with that. And also looking for a market that is large enough that has enough vendors to attract people. You know, not just a couple tents. You know, our market has about 35 vendors. Only five or six of those are produce growers, but there's enough, there's enough tents, enough canopies, enough people to attract people from off the street. So that's, that's important as well. Yes. Yeah, in our area, the best market for years and probably still the best market is on Saturday. And that's been a way to share our faith because everybody asks, why aren't you at the Saturday market? And then we can explain why we're not there. But that is a challenge, and especially in our early years, there really weren't good markets on other days. And so just look in your areas. Farmers markets are becoming so much more popular. There's so many more options that normally in a city, a town, Saturday market isn't your only option. But just go into it knowing that usually those are the best ones. But the Lord really honors, honors you for that. And we have seen our sales only increase, you know, going up each year. Whereas, um, you know, people, I remember in the early years, people said, oh, you can't farm because... Everything's on Saturday, and that's not true. You really can, and the Lord honors that. Okay. 
So some essential equipment. This is just a basic list of things that you, you have to have. Canopy and weights. And weights are a very, very important aspect. <laughs> Every year we always have at least one storm that comes in and demolishes all the canopies that are not of any substantial quality. This one you can kind of see in the background. This was from this year. And it was actually sort of like a mini tornado. There was a there was a whirl, and it came through the through the park right in the middle of market and completely flattened at least 50%, if not more, of all the canopies. And so having weights and a good quality canopy, my dad says nothing under $200 because we we spent a few years where you just get you know whatever you can find at the. Walmart, you know, you get a Coleman canopy and it won't last for long. So a good quality. Um, oh, the brand that I was going to suggest is Easy Up. That is a, a good quality tent and they have um, quite a wide variety, array of different ones that you can get. And that's, that's what we would suggest for canopies from experience. This, this year, I think it was our second season on these canopies and they've been through a lot. Uh, tables, getting folding tables um, is an essential aspect. Tablecloths, and we'll talk about some of these more in detail as we go on a, a scale. And every market will require that you certify your scale. So you have to get a good scale that is then certified. Um, and then bags, preferably with handles for the customers, something that is very easy for them to grab and carry with them. And some oh. sort of banner or farm sign. Um, so those are kind of like, you, almost like you can't do a market without these sort of things. They're essential. We have another list of things that are helpful additions to perhaps in some ways take your market to the next level. Um, we found that having bag holders that are spread throughout our table um, it's good thing. It's a good thing to give people a bag to put your stuff in. You know, they can put more in it. Well, we have these ones at checkout, but we're not super happy with the way that we have spread bags out around on the table. But we've definitely found that having big bags around for people to put their produce in is good. Um, but these have been, we have those same ones um, at our at our checkout register. It can be helpful for speed and efficiency to you know pull out a bag, put your stuff in it. Here you go. Um, when you have a long line, on these they're a little bigger, um, so I I haven't spread them around. You want to have bags. We'll talk. I had it later in the note, but um, you want to have bags in prominent locations, in several different locations on your tables, preferably next to things that are going to need to be bagged, like potatoes. So these bag holders are a little bigger, You, unless you just have a lot of space, which we normally don't. You wouldn't have that. Just spread around. So one thing that I've done is I've tied the bags onto the canopy in a way that you can just pull them off really quickly. So I just tie them onto the posts. And that's just something quick and easy. I have them right when the people walk through the door. I have them on a, on a post there. I've had them on posts in the back. And also you can do um, the bags on a roll. That's also very easy to have throughout. But these ones with a handle, especially at the checkout, so they can put everything in a bag that's easy to carry. So we're going to move on through these pretty quickly. Um, baskets, boxes um, for displaying. We built some little rustic ones to kind of you know look farmers markety. Um, price tags are really good to have. They're often things that go 
if we don't have enough time, they don't get out. Um, but we've been trying to do better this year because price tags are great for people to know what they're paying. People like to know what they're paying, just like I like to know what I'm paying. Um, cash drawer, this has been something that really has helped us in our checkout. We, um, actually Joshua and a friend, welded those top little bars onto just your standard cash register. You can buy them on Amazon for $30, a cash drawer. Um, and that's just the right width, so we can just slide it onto our table. So it just kind of sits down there. It's right at a nice height. Um, a cash management drawer like that is, is really nice to have. Chalkboards, you can note sales. Um, and this is something we will spend a few, several minutes on later is um, a credit card reader. They're free, the readers anyways, and charge minimal percentages um, to take credit cards, you know, from your phone anywhere. And that's, you more, you more than make up for the percentage they take by the ability to take credit cards. Because we have people who come by every week, multiple people. Ah, do you take credit card? It probably is. It probably, we, we probably do about 50% cash, 50% credit card. And that, that's, that's critical. Um, no reason that you shouldn't have one of those. And they've, the company we use, Square, has also come out with one that accepts Apple Pay now. So you can, you can take credit cards the cool way. Um, something else that is really nice is a farm brochure. And okay, we, we can we can talk about that. We brought a few of them that you can see just as just some ideas of printed materials that you can you can think about. Um, so now we're just going to go through some specifics of what what uh, we do at, at our farmers market stand or what we at least strive to do. You want to have a display that's attractive. Um, visual presentation is key to the selling of anything, and that applies at farmers market just as it applies anywhere else. Um, you want something that sets you apart. There, when, at our farmers market, there's a wide scope of, of vendors who sell produce. You have the ones. We have one other vendor who is who is to me kind of kind of like us and has like some nice wooden boxes and stacks things nicely. Um, we've learned a few things from them too. Um, but then there are some that more or less just have a table and not quite literally, but just throw their stuff out there. And it makes a difference. Um, I want something that's unique, that sets you apart. Uh, Tablecloths, it's important to have them matching, to have a color that's not distracting. We actually are technically going against good counsel by having ones that have a checkered pattern. Um, I've heard it recommended that it's good to have solid ones. And this is probably the only exception that I would really go for other than some solid color because this kind of has a farmy, picnic-y feel. And it's what we chose, branding. Yeah, and that's, it's, it's been kind of a part of our, our branding on the farm. So those are our tablecloths. Um, they're all matching. Non-distracting design. Make sure they're an adequate length to cover the tables well. Um, so you, you just want people... Stuff, you can stuff all your stuff that you don't want people to see underneath. And it <laughs> right. makes your place look cool. You can hide your bins for you know, the next bin of kale you have. You know, hide it under there without people having to see all that stuff. And display... Something that's very helpful is having multiple layers. Not only is this attractive to the eye, but it gets you so you can put more produce on a table. Kind of like a skyscraper. <laughs> yeah, so Nick and I built this table together, and it has partitions underneath that you can put different kinds of vegetables, but then on top you can just stack it. And a saying, stack it high and watch it fly, is very, very true. 
you know, if you only have three bunches of fennel, or let's say Swiss chard because it's in the picture, three bunches of Swiss chard, those three are going to last a super long time, whereas if you had 20, you will sell those 20. So we watch, we watch it every market. You know, if you have a pile of stuff, it gets down to the very last few. You can sell the pile very quickly, but you get down to the last few, and they don't sell very quickly at all. So it's very, very important. Like, if you sell 18 bunches this week, you've got to bring more next week, even if you had three left over. So just continue to bring as much as you can and put it all out there. You know, if you don't have a lot of, if you don't have a lot of stuff, you've just got to put it all out there and not hold anything back. Produce quality, we try to keep a sprayer on hand, ideally with ice water, to keep things fresh, especially when you have your greens. And that's, that's also key. You want people to come to the stand and find stuff that looks alive and fresh and not wilted from the sun, which is hard to do in the middle of the summer having stuff clean and only sell the best that you have and this can be hard sometimes because we know pests can come in and especially like with the Asian greens Eukina savoy or any of them bok choy will be riddled with little little holes and you you sell the best that you have and if that's all that you have you sell it but really try to keep the standard high for farmers markets and for any for any really um, branding and signage, we kind of already talked about this, but have, have something that is consistently yours, that you're not always changing, that's the same every year. Have a logo with your farm name, consistent style. Um, for us, it's more of the rustic look. Um, farm information, we have a brochure. Yeah, we can... You're welcome to take one of these just for ideas for yourself. We have quite a few at the end of the season. But we, we created a farm brochure that sits on our table that we try to give to all the customers through the season. And this has been a great tool for ministry as well because it, it gives a little bit of our testimony. It tells about each one of us on the farm. So it really helps the customer connect to you, which is another way that's going to bring them back to your stand. It's very important that that you connect on a, on a deeper level and that they, they see you as somebody that they want to come by from. So having that personal touch, that way everybody who comes by your stand can grab one of these and learn about the farm and get to know you through, through the printed page. So that's been very very key for us. Uh, large chalkboard, I have this usually sitting out at the front and we'll list the items that I have for the day and like to change that for the seasons and have sales and so it's changing and attracts people and also if there's a line or something and people want to know if you have something they can look at the chalkboard and see if you have it for that day and then you just cross it out when it's when it's run out. And it's also helpful because people who come at the end when your table's empty saw that you actually did have a bunch of stuff at the beginning. You've just crossed it all out because yeah. people have bought it. So they see what you did have and they might try to be there earlier next time. So these are little things that we know the rush of market. Sometimes it's hard to actually do these things and get the chalkboard redone each week. So there, there are weeks where it doesn't get out, but it is helpful for your sales. And then running specials of the day. Again, we mentioned earlier that price tags are really, really important. Um, and we have, we really don't, still don't feel like we've come up with a perfect solution for um, price tags, but we're making progress. We, 
sometimes we, we tried to make sign uh, price tags that looked so good and took so long to make, but they were so difficult to change um, that your prices change through the season, your items change, you need to erase them. And we had these awesome little creek rocks that we found, and we write our prices on them, but you can't erase off of rocks, I guess. And that, you know, it looked great while it did, but it didn't look great for a while. So Kirsten came up with this, this one. Uh, this is just very, very simple. I just took black cardstock because I wanted the chalkboardy look without the actual mess of a chalkboard. And so just black cardstock that I used actually a chalkboard marker on, but you could, you could use whatever. And so it gives it that chalkboard look, but it's very simple and easy. And what I found, if, if it's not simple and easy, it doesn't happen. Chalkboard cheese, right? Yes, chalkboard markers, sorry. Yeah. No, it's chalkboard markers. M- not they're, chalk. m- they're markers. Yeah. No, no, it's just cardstock that I taped onto skewers. So I just have a bunch of extra ones each week that are cut up to the right size. They're all kind of different sizes, but anyways. And I can just add, I can make new tags or whatever needs to be done, but it's very, very simple and easy. And just have them on skewers, taped on skewers, and then you can stick it in a basket or wherever else, and it's, it's an easy, simple thing. And that way, you know, if a rainstorm comes and they all get messed up, you can just redo them very easily for next time. Okay, we're, we're just going to go through these last ones real quick. You can write it down if you'd like. Um, it's, it's great to have specific variety names. People can get attached to a certain variety of something you have and want to keep coming back. Uh, we have this variety called Tamimari Muchu we grew last year, and probably the funnest name of tomatoes we've had. Um, and we have people coming back this year. We didn't grow that variety this year, but they're like, where are the Tommy Mari? Tommy, what, what is it called? And I'm like, no, we don't have those. So it's, it's, it's good for people to know, and if you've got a good one, you can stick with it. Um, something for selling. It's great to ask people when they're coming to check out, you know, you kind of sense they're done shopping, ask them, what else would you like? Or what else can I get for you? Something that is not an easy, you know, if you ask are you finished now? Or something like that where they can just say yes or no. And ask them where it's a little bit harder for them to say yes or no or that they're done. You know, what else can I get for you? And I've had a number of people who are like, um, well, I'll take some cabbage. And, and it works. Um, get personal with them. Get to know people's names. I've been trying to work on this that this year and have learned a few more. Um, and people really appreciate a personal touch. Um, that come back to you. They'll come back because they know that you have established a little bit of a relationship with them, and that starts with learning their name. Um, it's very helpful to know, to know your produce, know how to cook it, um, especially when you have that variety that comes when you're a CSA grower. You know, what do you do with escarol? And I'm like, ask her. <laughs> um, it's good to know or have somebody who knows. Um, you can suggest items to people. You know, we'll do that most often when we have a bulk of things that aren't moving. Like, have you tried Chinese cabbage? And that sells some too. You know, every little bit counts. Um, It's important to have a convenient bag placement for efficiency. We mentioned this already. Something we're just going to take a minute on is layout and traffic flow. And this is something that's really important, especially as your market numbers increase. Um, we have tried some different things. We now have multiple lines. We have, mul- we have two actually checkout locations, and sometimes we whip out a third one. Um, let me just, I, I made this little graphic just to visually explain how, we, how we've done this. Years previous, we had the same setup, but we had the two of the lines going right up the middle to the, right there. So 
to the, to the middle tables because that's just how we felt like it was going to work well. But we realized there was congestion because we had this long line right in the midst of our canopy store and, and people had a hard time getting from the left side to the right side. Blocked views. So what we did this year, and I think has worked really well, is we moved the registers all the way to the end. So now the line kind of forms outside of our little canopy store, and it leaves the middle open for shoppers to feel free to, to pick up stuff. Yes? Size um, I believe, are they 10 by 10? We have two 10 by 10 canopies. And so I'm gonna I'm gonna show you a few other layout options. Sometimes, like the middle of the summer, our produce was kind of slim in some ways, and, and and so we it's better to have fewer tables and have it look like it's full than to have a bunch of tables and it to look sparse. That's something we'll even sometimes do throughout the market. Ask the ask people buy stuff and our tables begin to look empty. You know, let's pull back this table and and combine the stuff so it still has a nice full look. So that's how you could you know that's getting rid of three tables. That's a setup that we've done in just one canopy where you still kind of, you know, leave traffic flow free in the middle. Again, if you just wanted three tables, you could put your register at the end and, you know, you could scale it all the way down just so you have a flow of traffic. You want people to kind of walk in a certain way and and leave the congestion low. Um, We mentioned the cash management for... uh, having your cash drawer. And and something I do want to spend just a moment or two on is square register. And if if any of you heard this presentation last year, we did part of this. Um, It's been a little bit more expanded. It's a different computer. Um, Square. How many of you have heard of Square? Are you familiar with Square? Okay. Square makes an app that you can use on your iPhone or Android phone um, and on your tablets. And their tablet app is very much superior to their phone app. And I'm going to try to plug this in so I can actually show you what it looks like and just give you a little visual demo because this this has been transformative for us both on the say on the front of selling at market and on record keeping. And all of that has come with uh, letting us do less and focus more on the customer. Um, let me see if I can get these things from opening. Um, again, both on the phone and the iPad, the way that Square works, the readers they send you are free. Um, the, mag- the magnetic swiping readers are. The, the Apple Pay readers, they are having, you do need to pay a little bit for them. Um, I think it's $50, but it's not a big deal. You don't have to have that. You don't have to be cool. But it helps. Um, they, they just charge a standard 2.75%. Okay, I think I'm getting it here. Where did it go? Okay, let me bring it over to this screen. Okay, so this is what Square Register looks like when you have it open on your iPad. This is how ours is set up. It doesn't exactly come like this. It comes with, a, with an empty grid of these items. So we've created items. You create items for the different things you sell. You create prices for those that have set prices. You can leave the price blank for those that you have sell by weight and the price varies all the time. So for instance, 
Let me just give you a demo of somebody checking out. They've walked up, and I can see in their arms that they have kale, Swiss chard, tomatoes, and potatoes. So I can tap kale. It's always $3 a bunch. So we just tap it. It's there. Tap it. It's there for the Swiss chard. It's all editable. We'll often edit things at market. Well, you know, if, if we get there and the price is wrong. Tomatoes for us are by weight. So we weigh them. It brings up a screen. Punch in the price. $3 worth of tomatoes. And what did I say? Potatoes, which are on our second page. You can add multiple pages if you have more items. And they got $1.50 worth of potatoes. So there's their total, ten fifty. And one nice thing that this does, um, not like you can't add yourself in your head, but if you're not having to think about that, you can more fully interact with the customer and engage in the cus- you know, in talking with the customer without having this in the back of your head. The other nice thing that this does, so already this increased efficiency by doing this, um, when it comes to, to making the payment, you can hit charge, you can swipe a card, that's when it charges you 2.75%. Or you can just hit one of those buttons at the top for how much cash they give you. They don't charge a percentage at all on cash. It's just record keeping. Um, And it gives you the most likely cash amounts that they're going to give you. They're either going to give you exact 1050, or they might give you 11, or if it's not that, probably 15 or 20. And so you just say, okay, here's a 20, I hit 20. And on the next screen, it says 950 change. And so it makes it look like I'm a math whiz because I'm like, all right, your change is 950. Yes, I'm pulling it out. Um, and, you know, we get at our market, especially during peak season, we'll get, you know, 100 sales, uh, individual sales in the three hours that we're there. And this, is, this really, really helps to speed it up. Um, you can send receipts. You can text and email receipts to people. You can issue refunds. You can issue refunds on people's cards. Um, the, there's, there's accessories you can get. If you want like a barcode reader or an actual receipt printer, there are things you can do. Um, and here in the settings, if you need to collect tax, you can collect tax. Um, you can also, and this is a feature that hasn't always been there, you really, it's better to have an internet connection of some kind, whether you share a hotspot from your phone or your iPad is connected to the internet or maybe your market has internet. Um, but if you don't, it also can work offline. The only thing that that is bad is it can't check that to make sure that that card was accepted. You know, it's gonna, it'll read the card correctly. It gets the numbers right, you know, all the time. If it doesn't, it'll tell you. But if for some reason their card is inactive or has a problem, and our whole season, I've come across that twice, I think. It doesn't happen much, but you could potentially be out of sale because you were offline. But you, you can do that. you connect within 24 hours? Yeah, I, do, I think that's right. You need to connect within 24 hours of making those sales to let them actually run through for, for Square to process the credit cards. So you get home connect it to the internet, and it's fine. We've never had an issue with that. Um, so that's just one aspect of it. Very customizable. Um, oh, the one other piece of this I didn't quite show you when I was checking out. You can have a set price, or you can have an item that has you know, multiple prices. Price for our smaller head, price for our larger head. Um, it just really makes it, makes it simple. Um, the other really cool thing that I, I don't terribly have easily accessible here Oh, look, there's my sale from today. <laughs> It'll show us a list, and at the end of market, we can, we can just swipe this over and look at this panel and see 
exactly how much we earned at that market, how much cash came in, how much credit cards came in, and we can see a full summary, and, and, and you can see you know, how much you've sold. Of course, this is just an example. I've only sold one of these things, but you can say, man, we sold a lot of, a lot of celery today. And, and this not only is on the iPad, but syncs to the Square website, which I don't, have a, I, I don't have the opportunity to show you. But it keeps record of that, and you can go at the end of the season, and for your whole season, you can see how much money to the cent did you make on everything, on carrots, on everything. And that can be really helpful for planning for your next season. And you can see, you know, hopefully how much better your market did this year than it did last year and your whole totals. And, and it's free. I mean, you don't have to use the credit card reader part if you don't want to. You can just take cash. And it's just, just for that. It's an incredible... Um, lost, escape me. Management tool. Yeah, record keeping tool. Yes. The app is free. The service is free. The only time where you get charged is when you swipe a card. <laughs> and if you choose not to do that, you know, you won't get charged. You could put in a tax for that little amount, but we haven't chosen to do that. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. you know, it helps us week to week if we haven't been good at keeping record of what we've taken to market. So we can see, okay, last week we took 18 bunches of carrots. You know, this week we're going to take 25. So it, it really helps week to week. It helps when you look back on the season, and it's been a huge, huge improvement to our marketing. So we're out of our time. We'll just take a question or two, just real quick. That's amazing. How, how, where do you go to... Yeah, I'm sure it's probably not with Square itself, but another similar, perhaps, program. So the comment was that he was saying that the the USDA, is it for those if you just accept food stamps, period, in any... Uh Uh-huh. Do you have to accept, can you accept food stamps plus other things, too? Yeah, so he's saying that that, uh, with the USDA, if you're marketlink.com or something? Okay, so Google Market Link. Uh, potential for receiving the necessary equipment to get to do these kind of sales. Okay. Says it's not fancy like Square, but it, it's the it's, uh, same idea. So Dad just passed out some of our marketing materials from the past. That was a CSA information postcard that we did a few years ago. Just to give you some ideas, we, we weren't able to find any of some of our more recent stuff for promoting the CSA and stuff, but that just gives you some ideas, of, some ideas for your own marketing and advertising. Yeah, that's something we didn't get to talk about. For us, we really haven't had too much challenge filling up our CSA. But if you do, passing them, um, we've put posters or postcards before in Whole Foods. You know, just asking on bulletin, on bulletin boards, just asking around and, and seeing just different places you can put them. Go to like Whole Foods and, and put postcards around or business cards. Um, and the best thing is word of mouth, really. If you've had a satisfied, happy customer that's going to tell their friends, that is, that's the best advertising that you can get. And that really works. Newspaper. Yes, mm-hmm. newspaper. And 
there are so many people who want to um, document and we have two magazines in our area that it's basically just a classified for farmers for different markets and they come to us and ask us you know can we put you in our magazine or you know people are very anxious to advertise and market for you so you've got to take advantage of that so if you have any other questions about any of this you can come and see us afterwards we're a little bit over time but thank you all for for listening and hopefully some of what we shared could be useful for you Mm, okay, okay. He said, if you provide your own iPhone, then there's no subscription cost. Thank you. You can see why we value these young people. Um, the, the technology and the creativity. Um, I've often said, I don't know what my wife and I are going to do if we ever have to do it on our own someday. But um, God is good. He gives us what we need. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.